0: Amen. You go, brother. Thank you, James. Uh, you know, Scripture uh, compares the Holy Spirit to wind. Jesus said in John chapter 3, the Spirit moves and we don't know the wind moves. So, you know, if you feel the wind, just imagine the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I'm trying to church it up. But um, we, um, we've we been in a series in the book of Acts where our, our big idea that we keep bringing our, our teachings back week after week as we dive through this book is that God is continuing the mission of Jesus through the people of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's still doing that here in the South Bay through his people, through this community that follows Jesus together, through other communities that follow Jesus in the South Bay together. And we're a part of this story that God is unfolding where he's bringing redemption and life and renewal in Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit through us. And we're a part of that. And uh, I just want to, you know, again, Russ, I want to thank you for helping model what that looks like. You know, you, you took a step of faith so many years ago to join in the mission of Jesus. And we know that there are so many people here in our church um, through uh, who have in your own ventures and ministry efforts and spheres of influence have taken those kinds of steps of faith. And we celebrate that. We want to be a church that gathers to learn what it looks like to follow Jesus, to encourage one another, to do life together. And then we scatter out in mission, carrying the mission of Jesus, sometimes through the planned things that we do together as a church, oftentimes through other, other ministry efforts, individual or other things that God has put a passion on and all of those are the mission that God has called us to collectively, and we celebrate that. So, Russ, thank you for leading us out on that, uh, what, what, you, what you do with uh, Watts Powerhouse and, and bringing our kids' ministry along with it. so, so awesome. Uh, such a cool picture of what we're learning in Scripture, of what this, what this looks like to continue the mission of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. So, thank you, Russ. Um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4 this week, Acts 4, uh, verse 23 through 31. Uh, if you have your own Bible device, whatever you wanna uh, pull up uh, to read along with me, I'm gonna read uh, aloud here. Um, we're gonna ask the Spirit to speak to us through His Word and then we're gonna see what God's, God would have to say to us here. So, Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31. Before we get into it, let's just take a moment of pause and uh, come before the Lord in and, and your own words. Um, just in a moment of quiet and ask God to speak. Just say something like, Lord, would you speak to me right now? Lord, would you speak? Acts 4:23 to 31. Some of the disciples have just been brought in before the leaders and warned not to spread the message of Jesus again. And then this is what it says in verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them, which was don't talk about Jesus anymore. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father, David, your servant said by the Holy spirit. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain, and the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed, or against his Messiah? For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your people to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, verse 31, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness that's God's word for us this morning, written by the writer Luke in his own style and language and context, but inspired by the spirit of God. Every time we open up God's word, he has something to say to us. And so let's pray and ask that he would speak to us as a community right now. Would you guys pray with me one more time? God, we love you. Uh, we're grateful for your grace. And, uh, even as the wind blows and, uh, conditions are not optimal uh, for having undistracted attention on you. We pray that you would speak to us, Lord. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you bring a fresh word for every single one of us, whether what we're looking at is totally unfamiliar to us and we're not sure we even believe any of this or whether we've we've seen this passage before and we've walked with Jesus for some time. I pray that you have a fresh word for every one of us. Thank you that you love us, you know us inside and out, and you call us to you to live life with you in your presence to be transformed by the the grace of God for us in Jesus. God, we pray as we always do that you give us not just information in our heads, but transformation in our hearts that we become the kind of women and men that you always made us to be. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that we can come before you, not holding anything back, not wearing a mask, not pretending, but we can be our true selves before you and let your grace, let your unconditional love transform us. So we pray for that, God. Thank you that you loved us long before any of us loved you. And we say that we love you too. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, at the heart of life with Jesus is a paradox. On the one hand, life with Jesus is to quote the great pastor theologian Eugene Peterson, a long obedience in the same direction. It's showing up day in and day out to live life with Jesus very simply going towards his vision of life in response to his grace. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's very simple. It's in the small stuff. And on the other hand, I'm convinced as I read through the book of Acts that one of the greatest threats to our joy in God and the forward progress of the mission of God in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit is getting stuck in business as usual. And by business as usual, I specifically mean the business as usual that we get caught up in here in a place like the South Bay, where it's routine day in and day out. We get up, we do our obligate, we go through our obligations, we go to work, we care for our kids, we uh, we meet our deadlines, we change the diapers, we drop off the kids at practice, we we go home, we make the dinner, we uh, we do our thing, we do the dishes, and then we go to bed, and then we rinse and repeat. And all those things are good things great gifts of God in many cases and yet I'm convinced that one of the greatest threats to really experiencing joy in God, to really seeing the mission of God go forward here in the South Bay is getting so stuck in the routine, getting so stuck in business as usual, getting so stuck in living in what is what is just immediately the next thing on my to-do list that we are that we're we're blinded from the great opportunity that God puts before for us and more importantly from the beauty and power of living life in the presence of God himself. I'm convinced that one of the greatest threats to seeing a real move of God in our life is if we stuck, we get stuck in complacent business as usual. We look throughout scripture, we look throughout the history of the church, and we see that the people who are filled with the deepest joy in God, and those through whom the mission of God has sparked in a special way, have always been those who are truly ordinary people, yet who live radically unordinary lives marked by radical dependence on God we see the sweet spot of holy dependence, even in the routine, even in all the obligations, even in the normal stuff of life, a radical holy dependence on God seeing God's presence in those things, making space to seek God's presence in special ways, having a deep desire for God himself. We see time and time again in church history and in the pages of scripture that the places where we see deep joy in God and true moves of God's spirit in the world are through people who are ordinary people yet who live unordinary lives because of a holy dependence on God himself. And this is the subtext of the entire book of Acts. We see the, the the spirit do incredible things through his people. We see God's people proclaim the name of Jesus and people have eyes to see God as the great savior that he is and they're reconciled to God in Jesus and they are saved and brought into life and the church is born as the spirit takes root in people's lives and Jesus is proclaimed. We see signs and wonders uh, unleashed through the, by the power of the Spirit through His people as, as the Spirit moves to heal the sick and to release chains of oppression and brokenness in communities. We see a new way of life lived out in the church as the church learns to be a family of God together living in the way of Jesus together across ethnic and socio-economic lines in a world where that was completely unprecedented. And all of that is sparked in the power of the holy spirit through a small group of people living with holy dependence on god throughout the scripture throughout the book of acts we see this striking theme that god moves where god is wanted god moves where god is wanted and god god Everything God does is by his grace. Like none none of us seek God first. God always initiates with us. That that, that is the theme of scripture. God is always the one who initiates. And yet as God grabs a hold of our hearts, God moves in the ways that we long to see him move in our lives to produce joy in him in our lives and to move through us as a community. God moves where God is wanted. God moves through people who seek him, who want him, whose heart burns for him and throughout the history of God's people great moves of God have always begun when small groups of get people get together to seek him radically together I was thinking this last week about uh, uh, the movement that, that um, blew up through uh, the, the, the church in the time uh, through a small group of men in their 20s who began praying for God to move in a special way. In 1806, there was a small group of guys who were studying at Williams College in Massachusetts. And they had this together through just being friends with one another, the, a shared desire to see God move in a special way. So they began praying daily um, out in uh, next to a haystack in the middle of a field every day they they'd get out they go out and they'd go out next to this haystack and they'd pray and God to move it became known as the haystack prayer meeting because it was next to a haystack and people are really creative or something and and um, after after uh, praying for days and days and days, On one day in August of 1806, a thunderstorm swept through the field where they were praying, and they ran for cover from this thunderstorm. And as they were huddled praying in the middle of this thunderstorm, they sensed from God kind of this shared sense of calling that they were going to commit to their lives to full-time vocational ministry. And they were gonna commit to rallying up in the church of people hungry to see God move in their time. And that was the spark of the modern missions movement, the modern movement of people going across cultural boundaries to bring the good news of Jesus, to loosen the chains of oppression and injustice. And it began with a small group of guys in their early 20s praying for God to move. And I wonder what God might do through us in our time in our place if we truly become a people committed to holy dependence, a radical seeking of God's face. We don't know what God might do. We don't know what it might look like. We don't control the scale or the scope or the specific things that he might do. James uh, taught earlier in this series on going God knows where to do God knows what. We don't reverse engineer moves of the Holy Spirit. And yet, what we see in Scripture is that God moves where God is wanted. And so, we're looking together in this, uh, in this passage in Acts chapter 4, and we see this posture of holy dependence in God's people. They're facing persecution. They're facing opposition. The mission of God is not going to be as simple as maybe it seemed like it was going to be when the Holy Spirit first came. And they're moved to this posture of holy dependence, depending on God, for God to do what only he can do. And so as we look at this posture and uh, as I finagle my notes here to, uh, cooperate with the wind. um, As we look at this posture, um, we see this kind of radical life in otherwise ordinary people. And the question that I ask, and the question I think is begging to be asked by us as a community as we come to a text like Acts chapter four, seeing the prayerful dependent posture of God's people, is how do we get from life as we know it, life as we're experiencing it right now, wherever we're coming from and wherever we're at in relationship to God, how do we get from life as we know it now to a place of deeper holy dependence on God? How do I go from what my life with Jesus looks like today? This is the question I'm asking myself to a posture of greater dependence, greater desire for God, greater seeking of his face, greater uh, dependence on him, like we see in Acts chapter four. And as I've been asking that question, as we ask that question together as a community, I think what we're going to see is that this posture of holy dependence begins with what I'll call holy desperation that we then take to move towards holy dependence. So we'll spend the rest of our time just looking at these two ideas, to be moved to, to, to whole, holy desperation that we then take to towards holy dependence on God. The earliest followers of Jesus, they're coming before God because they know that in order for the mission of God to move forward, they need God to do what only he can do. They're now facing opposition and it's becoming painfully obvious that they can't carry out the mission that Jesus has given them. Acts uh, one verse eight: that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. And they've got—they're carrying this forward. They're carrying the mission of Jesus forward through the people of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. And now they have this painful, obvi- painfully obvious realization that we can't do that on our own. We can't. We. we're we're at the end of our resources, our strategies, our pragmatism, our efforts, our gifts. Like it's not going to happen unless God does what only he can do. But the reality is we face the temptation as God's people to try to make the movement of God work on our own. In our own lives, we try to make the movement of God work on our own. And I think what that reveals is in our hearts, a tendency for us to try to find life apart from God himself. What it reveals is what the Bible calls I- idolatry of seeking life in that only God can give in things that are not God. It's setting our, our deepest seat of affection, the seat of affection that was designed for God himself and setting that on things or uh, a thing that is not God. And in that place we try to make things that only God can do, happen without god or not uh, with full dependence on god and for every single one of us wherever we're coming from this morning whatever our relationship with god looks like whether we've been walking with jesus for a long time or whether we're not even sure we believe any of this stuff for every single one of us to some degree there's a gap between where we were made to find life god himself and functionally in our lives where we tend to look for life for some of us, we, we we've crossed the line into faith of Jesus, and so we know where what our hearts were made for. We, we've seen God as the great Savior, and yet functionally played out in areas of our lives or at times of our lives, there's this gap between what we know to be true and functionally how we live and and how we how we actually look for life. For others of us, there there's who wouldn't yet consider ourselves followers of Jesus. What Scripture would say is that that gap is the very gap that Jesus came to came to cross, that he came to reconcile people who are far from God to God, people that are looking for life in things other than God, in God himself. That is the very essence of what Jesus came to do. And every single one of us has this gap of where we were made to find life and where functionally we're looking for life. The, the, the prophet spoke of this in Jeremiah 2.3. The prophet Jeremiah is speaking to his people and he says, my people have committed two evils, They've forsaken me, the fountains of living water, and they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. What God is saying to his people is when to his people who are in this season of disobedience, you've turned from me. The essence of what you're doing isn't just the, the, the rules you're breaking. It's not just the, the unjust things you're doing. The essence of what is going on in your hearts is that you're looking for life. You're trying to quench the thirst of your soul, not in the fountains of living water, not in God himself, but in broken cisterns, empty wells that have no water. And every single one of us in in ways large or small have broken cisterns, places that we look to to quench the thirst of our souls, where there is no water. There is nothing that can quench. And holy desperation, this posture of, uh, that begins the path towards holy dependence, that's the sweet spot of life with Jesus, this fundamental first step towards holy dependence, it'll only come when we see the insufficiency of our broken cisterns. It'll only come when we begin to see the insufficiency of the places where we look for life apart from God, the ways we try to make the work of God work without God himself it begins by seeing that the the cistern is broken. And when we see that, it brings us to a place of desperation. We we, we say like Peter said in John chapter six, when things were starting to get hard and Jesus' teaching was starting to get controversial and Jesus asked, are you gonna leave too? And Peter said, where else do we have to go? You have the words of eternal life. Nothing else works. It works for a little, maybe. It satisfies a little, maybe. But eventually, it reveals itself to be a broken cistern. And our cisterns are going to be revealed to be broken in the Holy Spirit in one of two ways. Sometimes they're revealed to be broken through circumstances. Hard times hit. The rug gets pulled out from underneath us. And we realize the foundation we were standing on wasn't really much of a foundation to begin with. We heard um, from our, our, our sweet uh, church family member, Debbie, last week as she shared her story and she shared part of her story was going through this incredible season of loss. And she had this beautiful line where she said something, uh, I'll, I'll probably butcher her line, I'm Debbie, I'm so sorry. But she said, I was in this season, she said, I lost almost everything, but what I gained was even sweeter. I gained a relationship with Jesus. That in that season of profound loss, God, God was revealing to her a a cracked foundation, broken cisterns, and in that place, he revealed himself. In that place, he brought her to the one who can really satisfy God himself and who he reveals himself to be in Jesus. So circumstances reveal it. But for many of us, for much of life, life is good, especially in a place like the South Bay. Now, one of the realities of a place like the South Bay is it often looks like life is good on the outside, when really there's pain on the inside. But even still, oftentimes life is going well. We've, we're living the good life, we're living the dream. And so the other way besides circumstances that, that we might have our, the, the brokenness of our cisterns apart from God, the places we look for life in apart from God or the deepest sense of life apart from God is to listen to the quiet discontent of your soul. What I mean by that is to listen to those places where your soul would tell you, this is good, this is not ultimate. These things I'm living for are good things. Life might be good, but it's not delivering what my soul really needs. To listen to that quiet discontent, to even in the good times, even when life is going according to plan, to listen to see if there are places where your soul is revealing to you it's crying out to you, even if quietly, that there are something in life that you're setting your worship on, your God-type seeking of life on, where life can't really be found. Because when we try to drink water from broken, th- broken cisterns, when we try to reach to get, to get well, water to quench your thirst from a well that is empty, it won't quench your thirst it will reveal itself to be not what you most need. And so your soul will tell you if you have the wisdom to listen, the ears to listen, if there are places where you're looking for life where life can't really be found. Sometimes it will feel like subtle disappointment. Um, Years ago, probably 15 or more years ago now, uh, Tom Brady gave an interview. He had won, won a few Super Bowl rings at this point, had everything, that you would think you would need in order to be a content person, in order to have it be well with your soul, right? Millions of dollars being the best in the world at what you do. Um, This is of course before he and and, and his uh, soon to be, it seems ex-wife Giselle had broken up. And so on the outside, it looked like beautiful, perfect marriage between star quarterback and the supermodel. I mean, like literally this is, it seems like on the outside, everything that you would need in order to be content. And he gave this interview. Here's what he said. He says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, Hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's gotta be more than this. I mean, this can't be all it's cracked up to me. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? And then the interviewer asked, well, what's the answer? And Brady says, I wish I knew. Maybe it feels like subtle disappointment. I got the thing I was hoping for. It's great. But is this really all it is? It's quiet, subtle disappointment. Maybe it feels like boredom and like ennui. There's a $5 word for you. Uh, Boredom. Someone someone I follow tweeted uh, about two years ago said this, no offense, but what is like the point? Are we supposed to just work and buy coffee and listen to podcasts until we die? I'm bored. So here's someone who's doing all the, do, doing the life, right? I got a job, it's a good enough job to buy, you know, coffee from a third wave coffee shop. I'm listening to the podcast, I'm doing the thing, I'm living the life and it's just, I'm kind of bored. Is this all life is all about? Maybe it feels like insecurity. I, I remember uh, uh, back to a time in my early 20s, I was uh, I was going through a season of of uh, really struggling with insecurity. I was trying to find my place. I was kind of in a rough spot with a couple of my closest friends. I just gotten dumped, and I was feeling super insecure. And uh, I remember talking to one of my roommates at the time, who was just a super wise wise person. And he, he was hearing me out, and uh, he's such a just a kind, gentle soul. And uh, so he listened well, and then he just in his kind, gentle soul way gave me a challenge that I needed to hear. And and after hearing me out, he said, and I'll never forget this. He said, you know, it's, it sounds like you're looking for validation in some pretty insecure places. And I think you're always going to struggle with insecurity when you look for validation in an insecure place. And he was right. I was, I was looking for a deep sense of validation in things I can't control and things that are inconsistent and fickle. And it's not what my soul most needed. It could look like insecurity. It could look like anxious striving. I gotta get the thing. If I, this next thing, the next stage of life, if I get the, if I get the relationship, if I get, if I, then I have the kids and I get the job and I get the promotion and I buy the dream house and I buy the second dream house. And if I just get the thing, whatever the next thing is, that will be the thing, so I gotta get it. I'm gonna strive for it, I'm anxiously strive for it. And when I get it, oh baby, that's when things will be well with my soul. It can look like anxious striving. Uh, There's an article in Vogue a couple years back where they, they said this, recent studies have declared that our current cultural moment is the most anxious in history. Anxiety comes in many forms, but the simplest way to describe it is feeling worried or nervous about the future or uncertain situations. And I'm not talking about anxiety disorder. That's a a mental health uh, issue that diagnosis that has complex causes that that are not as simple as just where you're looking for life. There's biological components, family of origin components, things that are, are complex. But the spirit of anxiousness is a symptom of looking for life in a broken cistern where life can't be found. Listen to the subtle discontent of your soul. But here's the thing. When our broken cisterns are revealed to us through circumstances or through listening to our souls, we've got one or two options. The first is we realize something's not quite working and we double down. We go harder into it. Maybe if I, if I just, I got to get, I, we double down. We go more to the broken cistern harder to the broken cistern. And it's a vicious cycle where we have deep spiritual need. We believe a false savior will believe that deep spiritual need. Pursuit of that false savior leads to broken behavior. That bo- broken behavior produces negative consequences of some kind, which heightens our sense of spiritual need And then we just turn right back to the false savior, which right back to the broken behavior, right back to the consequences, right back to the deeper spiritual need. And on and on the cycle goes like an addiction cycle. Our first response could be to double down. Whether we're following Jesus and we're doing this in a subtle way in some component of our life, or this is is the cycle of our life. The other though, is to see that something's not working and to turn to the one who really will to turn to the one who will satisfy the needs of our soul and the one through whom the mission of God can continue, the one whose power is what we most need, the one who can do what we can't do. It's to turn and see that uh, God himself is the one that our souls were created for. God himself is the one who has the power to move in and through us as his people to carry on his mission in ways that we can't do just through our pragmatism and good strategies and high effort. It has to be him. We have to turn and see God for who he really is. We have to let the, dis- the, the desperation, the holy desperation, it's not working. We have to let that move us to holy dependence. And this is where we'll close. This posture of dependence, which will, which is so simple, which is why we spent most of our time looking at this desperation is because it really is just to see God as the one that I most need. You know, you notice in this prayer, uh, in Acts chapter four, almost all of the prayer is about God himself. There's a request at the end. We'll get to that in a moment but almost all of it is about God. And so this posture of holy dependence is first and foremost about seeing God himself as the one our souls most need. God himself as the answer to his mission in the world. The only thing that can drive out one affection, a broken affection, is a stronger affection for something or someone greater the true affection that we were made for, God himself. And so it begins with seeing God himself as the answer. This is the prayer that they pray in Acts chapter 4, verse 24 to 25. Sovereign Lord, they've just received persecution. There's a huge barrier to the mission of God. Their lives are at threat. You'd think their prayer would begin with, okay, God, save us from persecution. Okay, God, help us do the thing that you've called us to do. Okay, God, get us out of the circumstance. And yet, almost the entire thing is about God. Verse 24, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it, who through the mouth of our father David has spoken by the Holy Spirit. They begin with acknowledging who God is. Then they move on further, and we won't read for the sake of time, but into the plan of God and how God's plan is working out. Almost everything is about God. They acknowledge his sovereignty. You're in control of creation. You're the great king of your kingdom. They acknowledge him as creator. All this is yours. Nothing is out of your control. You dreamt this up. You spoke and it is and you've spoken, you reveal yourself to us through the scriptures in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're active and at work in our lives today. They're acknowledging God for who he is and in that process, they're seeing God as the one who meets the deepest needs of their souls. They're seeing God as the one who is the answer to his mission in the world that God's called us to do. They see him for who he really is. They see him for being as good as he really is. And i think many of us man we think about what's going to meet the deepest needs of our souls and if we're being honest saying that the answer is god god himself it kind of just feels like cliche church speak right like fun when you think about functionally what's actually going to bring the deepest sense of joy in my life what's actually going to get me into the kind of life that god moved it just sounds like nice church speak it doesn't sound but I love the words of C.S. Lewis, How he put it like this, he said, how little people know who think holiness is dull. When one meets the real thing, it's irresistible. When one meets the holy God, when one really experiences the power, the presence of holy God, not just theoretically, but personally, he's irresistible, he's irresistible. There's nothing like God himself. And God delights to move in our lives. He delights to give us good gifts. He delights to do powerful things through his people. But we're to be those who seek God's face before we seek his hands. We're to seek God for himself. Sovereign Lord, they pray. It's you. It's you're the one that we need. You're the one that's in control. You're the one that's going to work this out then they seek God to do what only he can do. They say, they heard it and they lifted up their voices in verse 24 to God. So our, our, our bold strategy, our great, we, we, we went through, we went through our strategic planning session and our strategic planning session as the earliest followers of Jesus is we need God to move. It's got, it's gotta be God. That's our, that's our answer. Like that's our great God. God, we need you to do it. They seek God to do what only he can do. Then they're stepping out with bold expectant faith leaving the results to god so these god's the answer god's the one who's got to do what only he can do and they're going to step out with bold expectant faith leaving the results to god in verses 29 and 31 they say at the end of their prayer and now lord look upon the threats the threats of the leaders and grant that your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness their only request in this whole prayer is would you help us continue to do what you've called us to do with boldness? Help us to continue to step out with expectant faith. Help us to continue to do what you've called us to do. And then and at the end here in their 31, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They did it. They stepped out in faith. They said yes to the call of God and good things happened. They had this posture of holy dependence. And it's to be the thing that is the through line to everything we do personally following Jesus and as a church committed to the mission of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. To have bold, expectant faith fueled by dependence on God that comes from from desperation of seeing that God is the only one that we need and the the greatest one we need and the the one who, who can only deliver what we need to be obedient to him. I wonder what it would look like if we as a church, if we as a community of people following Jesus together, really and ongoingly stepped deeper and further into this posture of holy dependence. What kind of power from the Spirit would be unleashed in us and through us? personally in our lives and our joy in God, collectively in the mission that we're called to together to see redemption and life and reconciliation happen in the South Bay and in LA County generally, and even beyond. What would happen through us if if our lives together looked like deeper and deeper and deeper holy dependence on God? If we had an ongoing posture of seeing how the places for which we would, to which we would look for life that aren't God, in fact, aren't what we most need, if we had that posture of desperation, turned to God in holy dependence, and that was the cycle of our lives more and more and deeper and deeper, holy dependence, what might God do through us? What if we continued to press into that? What if we were people who really had this posture, what joy might come in, in us, what power might come out of us and through us by the Holy Spirit? And that is what we see happening in the book of Acts. It's what God calls us to here. And we see a God who's worthy of our highest love. We see a God who does what, what we can't. We see a God who's worth stepping out in faith for, no more clearly than the cross of Jesus. And so we're, as we close here, I'm gonna invite Amanda to come up. She's gonna lead us in one more uh, song in response. What's that? No, we won't. It's too windy. It's yeah, great. We're gonna do communion. Never mind. audibles i just got fired up come on I get, okay. i'm standing i'm moving i'm warmer than you forgive me um, so we're gonna as we close because we see this no more clearly than in jesus we're gonna close as we always do with a time of, of celebrating communion together and um so i'm just gonna invite you uh in kind of your own pace and time to come before the, and come to the table and as you take the elements to see the love of god poured out for you in jesus Jesus, His body broken, His blood shed, and in that, the unfailing love of God for you. And when you see the unfailing God, of lo- unfailing love of God for you, that's when you see the God who really is the one who meets the deepest needs of your soul, the one who really is the true, the true living wa- fountain of living water, not the broken cisterns that we all have a tendency to turn to. And when we see that, that's what drives us to this posture of holy dependence. So I'm going to pray and invite us to a time of experiencing God in communion, experience the presence of Jesus for us as we remember who he is in the elements. And that will be our time together as we go go off as those sent by God, seeking his face in this posture of holy dependence. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for your grace. We're grateful that you speak to us even here on a far too windy beach with a far too long winded preacher. (laughs) And uh, we pray God that you would... um, Would you move, would you drive us to this place of holy dependence? Would you help us to be those who seek your face, who satisfy ourselves in you? Would you produce in us a desire for you? And we ask that you would do that in us. We just pray, come Holy Spirit, show yourself to us, move in us, and help us to see Jesus and your love for us in Jesus as the seal that you really are the one who meets the deepest needs of our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.